Hello and welcome to Lab Roving. My name is Dr George Busby and I'm a malaria geneticist at Oxford University. This podcast is all about the Mobile Malaria Project, which took me and my team 7,500 kilometres across the African continent. We wanted to learn about some of the cutting-edge research currently being done on malaria in the countries we visited. And on this podcast, you can hear conversations with some of the people we met along the way. For some background on malaria and the Mobile Malaria Project, check out our first episode trailer. In this episode, I talked to Munya Tambo, a PhD student at the University of Namibia. Munya's work focuses on understanding the efficacy of rapid diagnostic tests, or RDTs. RDTs are an incredibly important innovation. Cheap and easy to use, they allow health workers to test anyone's blood to see if it contains malaria parasites. They work by detecting specific antigens, or proteins, produced by malaria parasites in the blood of infected individuals. You drop some blood onto the device, it's a sort of small thing, similar in size to a pack of chewing gum, and you get a result within 10 or 15 minutes when a line appears if the antigens are present in your blood. A bit like a pregnancy test. They cost about a dollar and have been a game changer in helping people identify infected people quickly so that treatment can be administered. They're a really important part of malaria control across the world. But, as we'll hear from Munya, they're beginning to fail. People who are infected with malaria are being missed by these tests. The RDTs come back negative when they should be positive. This means that people are still infected and able to transmit malaria, hindering control efforts. So here's Munya talking about this work investigating RDTs and looking at what other molecular or genetic diagnostic tools could be used instead. He mentions LAMP, which stands for Loop Mediated Isothermal Amplification, a newish technique that can be used to look for specific pieces of DNA in a sample. And of course we talk about mobile genetic sequencing and other ways in which genetics could help. We spoke in the back of the Land Rover somewhere in northern Namibia. So we're in the back of the Land Rover lab roving and I've got Munya Tambo with me today. Munya, tell me a bit about what you do. Okay, uh, so I'm a PhD student uh, and I, my research focuses mostly on uh, malaria work, uh, mainly looking at uh, the molecular biology, the genetics. Uh, so we've done uh, projects on uh, diagnostic tools. Uh, basically uh, using uh, molecular diagnostic tools like uh, nested PCR and LAMP as uh, quality uh, assurance tools for the RDTs uh, that are missing up to 60% of the cases in Namibia and uh, also trying to see if LAMP can be used as a point of care diagnostic tool. Uh, So there is a new LAMP kit uh, that you can also put at the back of your bucky, hook it up to a battery and you can actually go into the field and uh, test for malaria with this. Okay, so RDTs or rapid diagnostic tests are what people use to diagnose people with malaria and there is a lot of failure with these tests, right? So what you're researching is looking for at new diagnostic tests that can hopefully find people who've got malaria when those other tests fail. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So at least, uh, so with the rapid diagnostic tests, um, at low parasite density, uh, they would not pick it up. They need a certain number of parasites for them to pick up the infection. 
And uh, so we also got the opportunity to test a new ultra-sensitive RDT, which is supposed to be more sensitive than the standard KSTAT uh, rapid diagnostic test. Uh, but uh, I think more field evaluations are still needed. Uh, we had a number of issues with uh, false positives and also it's not as sensitive in the field as uh, it is in the lab. So we picked I think down to about uh, 15 parasites per microliter as opposed to the 50 to 100 parasites per microliter you would pick up with the standard RDT. Great, so and people with that with such few numbers of parasites in their blood, they're not going to be particularly sick, but they're going to be carrying the parasite and therefore potentially transmitting it, or the mosquito can transmit it from them. So there's still a, st still an issue, right? Oh yeah. oh yeah, definitely, yeah. So they, they still have potential to uh, transmit uh, malaria, uh, pass on the parasites to the mosquito, although the, uh, you can't uh, detect them as positive with the RDTs which is why it's uh, increasingly important to get uh, more sensitive tools because if you do not detect them, they would continue to transmit malaria without us even knowing it. Yeah. So tell me about LAMP, because I think you, you just mentioned that they have a portable uh, LAMP technology. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, LAMP uh, works the same as uh, PCR in that uh, you both... Uh, um, DNA is the signal for detection for both. Uh, but uh, LEMP is a bit more user-friendly because you do not um, need uh, the, I would say, expensive machinery such as uh, thermocyclers uh, to bring your temperatures up and down. It works at a single temperature, so what you essentially need to run LEMP is a heating block. Uh, you do not need to prepare reagents. Uh, reagents come already in the LEMP tubes. All you do is uh, add your DNA and uh, there is one lamp kit where you can actually just add blood and uh, it uh, picks up infections straight from the blood so it's a bit more user-friendly in the field and how long does it take from taking some blood from somebody to getting a result yeah so on average it takes about 45 minutes to run yeah which is uh, i think it's a good turnaround time for results yeah when you find these people who have subclinical malaria or they have a, other rapid diagnostic tests have failed but you using these new diagnostics find that there are actually more people out there with malaria what what do you do with that information uh, so currently we are we're not allowed to treat uh, based on uh, diagnosis with molecular tools so unfortunately, uh, there's not much we can do other than uh, we're trying to talk to the ministry to say, look, we're missing up to 60% of the cases that could possibly trans, uh, transmit malaria. So I think we're trying to talk to them to see if we could start treating uh, based on the molecular test. But currently, you, ca you can't treat based on molecular diagnosis. It has to be by RDT, the rapid diagnostic test, or by microscope. Right, that's really interesting. I didn't realise that at all. Is part of what you're doing trying to develop uh, a protocol that can be used across the country? Yes, uh, definitely. Yeah, But uh, there have been a few challenges. So the uh, LEMP kit doesn't work as well, um, uh, as, well as we would like it to, um, as, like to date. Uh, we have a lot of uh, false positives, uh, so you'd end up... Uh, overusing drugs because you'd get a lot of positives even from negative people and there's still a very high risk of contamination with, with them. 
Is LAMP specific to parasite DNA? Yes, it is. Uh, so it, it has six primers uh, that target uh, specifically parasite DNA. Great, so that sounds really interesting. So tell me a bit more about what the problems or the challenges of, of malaria are in Namibia. Okay, uh, so in Namibia, uh, one of the main challenges is uh, cross-border transmission. So Namibia, in as much as it's lo a low transmission setting, it's surrounded by very high transmission settings. Uh, countries like Angola, Zambia, and we also have Zimbabwe close by. So in as much as we've managed to reduce the number of cases drastically in Namibia, we still have a lot of cases coming in from Angola and Zambia because people travel mainly for uh, economic reasons. So people would come in to trade, uh, looking for jobs. And in the case of Angola, they would come to, they do not really have good health facilities in Angola. So they would come into uh, Namibia looking for health care. We stopped just as Munya was talking about importation, which Davis had hinted at being a crucial part of malaria control and research in Namibia last time we spoke. Now, importation refers to the migration of parasites into a country from outside, which happens when infected people cross borders. We carried on the conversation whilst we were stopped, and I asked Munya whether the major challenge of malaria in Namibia was at the border region. Yes, uh, so you find that in Namibia, malaria is confined to the border regions. So importation is really, uh, I think it's the main challenge in, in Namibia. And uh, we also have, uh, in some villages, access to healthcare. So we do not really have uh, enough health facilities to cater for those populations. So that's a challenge as well. Although the ministry has been trying to... Uh, put in place mobile clinics, at least uh, so that people can get access to healthcare in the more remote villages. We're on our way to the north now, and uh, which is really exciting because we're going to go and see some of these places. What sort of research have you done up in the north? Uh, so uh, pretty much all our research uh, on malaria, we do it in the north. So the diagnosti uh, diagnostic tools, all the research with the diagnostic tools was done in the north. Uh, but in addition to that, to that, we've also done a G6PD uh, deficiency prevalence study. We found that up to about 5.6% of the people who live in the northern region, uh, regions have the G6PD uh, deficiency. This was because um, the WHO wanted to roll out uh, Primaquin in Namibia. So it, it, it can have uh, like a serious side effects if you do not have... Uh, if you have the G6PD uh, deficiency. And uh, we've also done uh, population genetics. This is really to try and uh, measure importation, see how connected we are with uh, the other countries which are high transmission settings, and also see how much of those imported cases are also contributing to further local, local transmission. And we found that we are, we are heavily connected uh, with uh, uh, Angola or more than Zambia you actually now in the Kavango East region you can't differentiate uh, the parasites from the Namibian side uh, to the, uh, with the parasites from the Angolan side so this is this is suggesting basically that people are moving uh, quite freely between those areas and taking the parasites with them yeah definitely because you do not um, need a passport uh, there is no fence uh, there is no wall 
so people people just um, move freely and actually when we were collecting samples we would sometimes find ourselves in Angola and we had to drive back to, to the Namibian side. We're driving in a mobile laboratory uh, of sorts at least we've got some portable mobile genetic sequencing uh, equipment with us can you see a use for this equipment in your work? Uh, definitely, definitely. I, I, I think uh, it it would uh, really help out uh, if we could uh, uh, do sequencing as opposed uh, to uh, using microsatellites. I, I think we would get a better resolution and we would also get more data and maybe also add in aspects like uh, looking at drug resistance as well. So I think that, that would be really useful. And uh, doing it... Uh, in in the field or close to uh, where the malaria burden is, I think is is important. Uh, people would really appreciate you doing research uh, where the malaria is, as opposed to doing it back in in the lab in Vindruk. Great. One final question. So you're just getting to the end of your PhD, and what do you hope to do next? Uh, I I really want to continue doing research. Uh, I think I'm. Um, trying to apply for fellowships now, uh, see if I can do a postdoc and I'm also hoping to get a bit of uh, experience elsewhere and uh, learn new skills, new techniques uh, that we could really use. Uh, and my focus is not just on Namibia, but I think the elimination aid region as a whole, because I think we would really need to concert uh, our efforts. Uh, moving towards elimination, uh, People usually think you need to have uh, targeted uh, interventions, uh, but from uh, our findings so far, all the regions are highly connected, such that if you were to target interventions, you, you wouldn't uh, do much to the malaria burden. So I think looking at the E8 uh, region and maybe continue to do population genetics, get um, maybe a genetic library for the parasites in the elimination age region. I think that would be very useful. So the the idea that you that looking across a region rather than at specific countries that's quite a new idea, is it? Uh, yes, I think. Oh, it's they, they've uh, done it uh, to to some extent in uh, I think Southeast Asia, but uh, not not for our region. And uh, the connectivity in this region is also quite unique. So I think uh, it will be something new to look at and I think it will be interesting and very useful. Cool, well I'll look forward to hearing more from you in the future Munya, thanks very much. No, thank you so much and uh, I'm enjoying the mobile lab. Is it comfortable? Very comfortable. <laughs> Good. A similar thread ran through the projects Munya described to me. He and others at the University of Namibia were trying, successfully, to use cheap almost old-school genetic tools to do their work. Cheap here tends to mean lo-fi. Whilst I've been fortunate to work with whole genome sequence data for several years, Munya and his colleagues have been trying to make the most out of tools, like microsatellites, that only look at a tiny proportion of the DNA available from the genomes of plasmodium parasites. Nevertheless, they've uncovered key details of the genetics of Namibia's malaria populations. Imagine what they could do with detailed genetic analysis tools, like those that can sequence larger parts of the genome, or even all the DNA from a particular parasite. Hopefully they'll get some opportunity for that in the near future. There's certainly the appetite for it. Our time in Namibia was a great start to the trip. I just want to give a shout out to Whitney Shingenge, the third member of Davis's team who accompanied us in the north. We tried to record a podcast with her, but unfortunately we've lost the recording, so apologies Whitney. 
but thanks for all your help and support on the trip. Following our Namibian leg, we crossed the border into Zambia, and after a night in Livingston at the incredible Mosioatuna waterfalls, also known as Victoria Falls, we travelled up to Lusaka to start our attempt to sequence parasite DNA with the small genetic sequencing machines we carried in the car. More on that next time. See you then. Lab Roving was recorded in Africa and Oxford and is written and produced by me, George Busby. A massive thank you to the Mobile Malaria Project team, Jason Hendry and Isaac Genai, without whom the project just simply would not have happened. Music for Lab Roving is by Dylan Joseph via Epidemic Sounds.